Hey, you. Thank you for joining me for episode number 72 of Better Regulate Than Never. I know I tried this experiment, I don't know, a few months ago, but I'm going to try it again for the next couple of episodes where I don't write everything out. It's I spend a lot of time, usually spend a lot of time like writing an entire script or just writing it out like a blog. And sometimes when I don't have as much time, I get really caught up in mind drama about, oh my gosh, I don't have time. And so I decided I have an idea of some interesting things to talk to you about. And I, I'm actually working on a book study with my colleagues. And I thought, well, I'm working hard to make a presentation for that. And it's really good information. So I'm going to use that information for a podcast. That way I'm working hard on one thing, but I'm actually getting two projects done. So that's what I'm going to try to do. And it's really a good example of what you might be doing with schoolwork. Sometimes if you have a lot of homework and projects, how can you repurpose some of your papers and projects for another class so that you're working on things, but maybe you can use the work that you did in one class to do the project in another class, or maybe the same concept, or if you researched something, maybe you can use it in two different areas. So I'm practicing something that might be helpful to you. Our book study is the book Think Again by Adam Grant, and I'll put in the show notes a link to uh, check out the book and possibly buy it if you want it, or just uh, maybe you can find it at your library. In our book study, we're breaking it down into six sessions, and so we're only getting ready for the first one. So this will be just kind of a an overview, but I think it will give you some information to really to think about. <laughs> The book starts out with a really interesting story that I didn't know about, but um, in 1949, I think it was, there were some firefighters that went out to a place called Man Gulch, and they were going to try to stop this forest fire. And when they got out of the plane, I think it was, and they are going towards this fire with all their gear and uh, they're going to fight this fire, they realize pretty quickly that the fire is kind of all around them and they need to escape. They, you know, they realize we can't actually fight this. We're going to need to get out of here. And one of the firefighters starts, well, I think he originally told them to get rid of their gear but then he starts actually lighting a fire around them. And the a lot of the other firefighters were like, oh my gosh, what is he doing? We've got to get out of here. And he's creating more of a fire instead of trying to, to get out of this situation. And what this firefighter did was lit this fire around him and then used his water to put it on like a shirt or a cloth or something, put it around his face and he laid down on the ground where he had, you know, where it was burned from where he had lit this fire. And he actually survived this fire 
when other firefighters died in the fire. And what he did was, because this fire was closing in on them, him creating a fire burned up the fuel of the the grass or the sticks or the whatever, the, the wood that was around him. So then the fire didn't come up to him because he had already lit all the stuff around him, the fuel that would cause the fire so that the fire didn't actually come up to him, but went over him because he's laying on the ground where the oxygen is with this cloth around his face and the fire uh, just raged over him. And then he waited, I'm sure until the fire was kind of down and then he could get out of there. And so this, the reason the story is in the book, because a firefighter's first instinct is to fight the fire to, I mean, that's what they're trained to do. They have all this equipment. They know all the tricks about what to do in a fire. And this guy abandoned all of that quickly and did something different that no one understood or no one, you know, no one even knew what he was doing. One of the things was, you know, get rid of all your equipment because in this instance, to run away, you need to be able to go fast. Well, the equipment they have, they have saws and, you know, their heavy protective equipment and all the things weighed them down. And so they couldn't run away very fast. And some of them died because of that. Others got rid of a lot of their heavy equipment, but still didn't make it just because you can't outrun a fire like that. Sometimes it was kind of going in all directions around them and kind of closed off their area to be able to get out of there. The other thing, starting a fire in a fire when you're trying to fight it doesn't make any sense. But this guy rethought the situation when most people don't have that capability. And so the idea of this book is that we really need to spend more time rethinking situations instead of just going with, oh, well, this is how it's done, or this is what we're supposed to do. Another example that I thought was interesting is that when I was in school and in college, especially, but I think this was even told to us when we were in high school, that when you're taking a test, you should always go with your first thought, your first instinct about what the answer is, like, especially like multiple choice, but I suppose it could even be if you have a written response. And so when you're taking a test, you come up with, you come to this question and you're like, okay, I think it's this. The advice that was given to us as students was don't go back and change it because lots of times when people go back and change their answer, you change it to a wrong answer. But Adam Grant was saying in the book that actually when they did studies on this, changing your answer is actually helped people. And so, you know, forever we were told as students, don't change your answers. So then whenever we took a test, we were thinking that in our mind, like, okay, well, I'm not sure about this one, but I better not change my answer because our teacher told us that that's not a good idea. So there's lots of ideas in the world that people think 
And we just need to be open-minded to realize that maybe we could rethink those things. The reason it's so hard for us to rethink is that if we're always rethinking everything, it can make us feel like the world is unpredictable. And actually the world is unpredictable. When we know something, it makes us feel confident. We know that this is true or right. And if we wonder if it's true or right, then it makes us feel maybe unsafe. Um, I remember as a teenager, I questioned everything, which is actually what this book is saying is you should really rethink and question a lot of things or be open to the idea that what you know or think isn't true. So I think it's probably easier for you because you're still trying to formulate what your thoughts and beliefs are. But there are some students that I've dealt with that are so absolute on things. And I know that those absolutes have come from their families, like their families think those things. And so then they're absolute about those things too. But there are probably some others that maybe it's opposite from their families. And maybe that's why it's an absolute for them. Like I believe this and my parents don't believe it. But the idea of this book is really just to think about, you know, what, where did this information come from and how could it be maybe partially true and what am I missing and how can I rethink what these ideas are? Adam Grant talks about four different mindsets and I won't get into all of that because I just want you to have kind of an, an overview of this, but the mindset that's best for us to have, and we've actually talked about this in this podcast before, is to have a scientist mindset, which means that you're questioning things and you're wondering about things. If you think about a scientist, they do experiments and they sometimes think, okay, I think I'm going to have this experiment because I think this, this action causes this other action. And that's what the experiment is about is to find out, is that true? And sometimes as a scientist, you would have different studies that do prove that something is the result of an action. But sometimes you might be surprised and think, oh, that really doesn't cause that. Or maybe there's other factors involved that you didn't know until you did the experiment. So if you are thinking about most things from a scientist point of view, you're always thinking, oh, well, what information don't I have yet? And this can be really hard sometimes when your identity is part of your thought process or the beliefs that you have, you, you believe them because it's who you are. And so questioning that or questioning those thoughts and beliefs might make it feel bad for you because it's like questioning who you are as a person. And so it's really important to kind of separate yourself from your thoughts. You are not your thoughts. You are not your beliefs. Those thoughts and beliefs came from the world, came from your family. And it doesn't mean that you don't adopt some of those and say, yes, these things that my family taught me are good and I believe those things, but even if they're good and you want to believe them, it's, it's always okay to think, 
what else, what other information should I take in? What other information might I be missing in this thought or belief? Sometimes I listen to news programs or radio programs that were the opposite view of me. So even, you know, like now you probably know about TV channels that are conservative and TV channels that are liberal. And I'm sure you've heard a lot about fake news. I mean, the fake news has been around for a million years, but now it's like a thing. And so I used to listen to programs that were the opposite view of me. And I used to tell myself, I listened to them so I'd know what the other side was doing. You know, it was like, oh, the enemy, what are the enemy's plans? And I need to listen in on what they're thinking so I can counteract them or whatever. But the idea should be to be open to listening to ideas that are not positioned with yours so that you can think um, open-mindedly about, oh, well, what what are their topics and what are the things that they're concerned with? And a lot of times you might find that you do have similar ideas about some things or, you know, the topics that are so controversial, what pieces of those topics are actually aligned the same on both sides? We don't do a lot of that because it's, I think it's sensational or dramatic to fight about it or to cut down the other people when they don't think like us. But what if we did look for what are the commonalities? What are the things that, what direction do we want to go that's the same? And even though we have these other ideas, instead of hating the other people or just saying that the other people are wrong, what if we thought about how do they align or or think about that they're just coming from all the thoughts and ideas that they were taught? It's not like it's personal necessarily. Now, sometimes people make it personal, but it doesn't have to be. I don't have to hate you because you don't think the same way that I do, or that I have different ideas. And why wouldn't we think differently and have different ideas? We're all different. And so it's okay that we don't think the same. I think my main, when I think about the opposite ideas of mine, I have friends that think the complete opposite than me. And I don't, I, I love those friends. And I think the reason that I get along with those friends, even though they have opposite views from me, is that we're kind to each other about those opposite views. I don't attack them personally because they think different than I, and I don't think that they're stupid or tell them that they're stupid, that they think the way that they do. And that I think that's the secret. Like the people that I get really frustrated with when they have an opposite view from me, is that they're telling me, well, your idea is wrong and mine is right. And you don't know what you're think you don't know what you're talking about, or you don't know what you're, you are, it's like essentially saying you're stupid for thinking what you think. And that is what's upsetting to me, not that they have an opposite view from me. So I feel like if everyone was just like, okay, you have an opposite view 
and that's fine. And this is what I think and, and being curious about what they think, you know, why do you think those things, you know, where does that come from? Tell me more about it instead of, I don't want to talk to you about it. The first step in being able to rethink is knowing that you don't know everything. Now that's probably easy for a young person because I, I'm sure you obviously feel like you don't know everything because you're still learning and that makes sense. And I could say, I probably didn't, well, I'm sure I didn't know a lot about anything when I was younger, but even at my age now and until my last day, which hopefully is when I'm 100, I'm not going to know everything and that's okay. I don't need to know everything. I just need to realize I don't know everything and not to take my thoughts and beliefs so seriously that I don't try to listen to other people. So he mentions an ignorance list. You know, what are the things that you don't know anything about? And I was trying to think about what's on my ignorance list. Certainly any upper level math, like I am terrible at math. I can do basic things, but I don't really know anything about any of that. Um, I think about any of the higher sciences, you know, quantum physics, or, you know, I don't know anything about that. I never even took beginning physics, so I don't know uh, any of that. And my list can be super long if I really sat and think, thought about it, and I am going to spend some more time on it. But think about what you, you know, there are things that you don't know anything about, and that's okay. Even if you do know something about a topic, it helps to have some humility and know that I don't know everything about this topic. So if someone has a different view or an idea, be curious about it. Oh, that's interesting. Tell me more about that. And how did you arrive at that idea? And, you know, what, what things have shown you that 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 is true? Just be careful because our brains, when we believe something, our brains look for evidence of that. And we've talked about that in lots of different episodes where if you think the world is, has a lot of mean people in it, you're going to see a lot of mean people all the time because your brain is looking for that. If you think the world is mostly good people, then your brain's going to look for evidence of where are the good people and you're going to see more good people than evil people or whatever. And so just remember that just like your thoughts are like that, other people's thoughts are that way too. So if they think the world is one way, they're going to see a lot of evidence for that and the same for you. And then hopefully when you're humble about, I don't know certain things and you kind of doubt, okay, I realize I don't know everything that I should know or could know, then you become curious about what you're missing. And there's that scientist, the scientist is curious about the answer. And when you're curious about things, then hopefully you search for more answers. And when you're searching for more answers, you get more discoveries. So that's kind of like the rethinking cycle, the process that you would go through to rethink things. I thought one of the parts of the book was so interesting that there's a lot of topics in the world actually that are like these, everyone believes these certain things and it turns out that they're not even true. 
here's one that I think you've probably heard, and it's not true. There's actually no known cases of children being poisoned or seriously injured by candy given to them by strangers at Halloween or any time. So probably when you were younger, someone told you or you heard about don't take candy from strangers because it could be poisoned or the famous one that everyone talks about is a razor blade put inside an apple. So the story was, you know, that people who are mean or bad or evil put these razor blades inside apples. So, and they gave the apples to kids at Halloween. And then when they would bite into the apple, it would cut their mouth or whatever. And that's actually not true. That there's no known cases of that ever happening. Now, where that story came from, who knows, you know, somebody might've said it could like, oh, be careful. Somebody could put a razor blade in the apple. And when you bite down, it will cut your mouth. And then enough people told enough people, you know, that telephone game where (laughs) you say something and then you tell someone and you tell someone, and then the story gets all messed up and then it becomes this really happened. I don't know, but that is a widely held belief by people that candy has been poisoned or razor blades have been put in apples and everybody needs to be careful. And there is no known cases for that. So there's a time where it's like surprising. Oh, that's not true. I thought that was true. Or I thought that happened and it really didn't happen. So think about that. Like that is one example. When my sister and I would find toads in the yard, we would pick them up. I don't know if it was our parents, but somebody, maybe our parents, maybe a friend, whatever said, oh my gosh, don't touch toads. You'll get warts from them. Or one of the things was if the toad peed on you, because almost always when you pick up a toad, if you've ever done it, they pee. (laughs) And I think somebody said, oh, the pee makes you get warts or whatever. But humans cannot get warts from toads or any other animals. The, The virus that causes warts is is exclusive to humans. So isn't that interesting? And like on toads, they have a rough skin. And maybe that's where it came from, like the idea of that, but their rough skin is not warts. So in case you thought that it's not true. I love this one, because this one is constantly talked about. But sugar does not cause hyperactivity in children. So many times like Halloween, Christmas, other times where a lot of candy is being consumed by kids, people will be like, oh my gosh, the kids will be off the walls because of the sugar. But that actually doesn't cause hyperactivity. Now, I think, and this is what I've always thought about, of course, kids are acting crazy and hyperactive at Halloween and Christmas because it's fun. And they, they just go crazy because they're so excited about the world and wearing costumes or getting presents or whatever it is. So it's not the candy or the sugar. It's actually the activity or what's happening. And another one that's interesting. And again, I don't know if you know about this or not, but the Bermuda triangle, cause you don't hear about it very often anymore, but the Bermuda triangle is this place in the ocean where supposedly different ships and planes have disappeared research actually shows that there's no, there's not any more shipwrecks or disappearances there than any other place where shipwrecks or disappearances have happened. It seems weird because I'm like, well, why did that ever even become a thing if it's not a thing? But 
anyway, it's a common misconception. And so it just makes you think, oh, what information have I been missing? What is going on here? So I guess really the idea of this podcast today is just to start, like to be able to have an open mind and to rethink things just because our parents told us something just because our teachers tell us something, just because our friends tell us something, just because we read something on the internet or we hear something on the news doesn't mean it's completely accurate because you have to think about, so our brains are looking for things to prove what our thoughts already are. So is everyone else's brain. So think about how much miscommunication, how much misinformation could be happening Because every, all the billions of people's brains are telling them to look for certain things because that's what they think. And it, that's quite a mess. That's a lot of stuff to kind of rethink, overthink, uh, dramatize, whatever. So every time you're having a really strong thought about something or a belief about something, just think, okay, what information might I be missing? And what is my brain looking for? And how could I look for something else? And just see what happens. I think it'll be so interesting. I would love it if you would go to my website. And actually, I think um, a lot of times when you go to my episodes, it goes to my website now. I'm hoping that it's set up that way anyway. But even if it's not, my website will be in my show notes. Go there and at the bottom of... I think all the pages, there's a send me a message place where you can email me, just email me questions, email me ideas. Like, well, I've always wondered about this. Could you do a topic, you know, do a podcast episode about this? That would be so amazing. Cause sometimes when I'm setting, thinking about episodes, I'm like, Hmm, I wonder what I should talk about today. And that would be so helpful for me if I had some ideas from you. But you can also send me things that you're working on or things that you're wondering about or things that you're having trouble with. And I can write you back and help you in those ways. You can also sign up for a free 15 minute session. You can meet me face to face and we can talk about any of the topics or anything that's going on with you. I would love that. It would be so fun to meet some of you because I have people from all over the world that are listening. And I'm like, gosh, who are these people? Like what, what are their lives like? What do they wonder about? So I hope that you take me up on that invitation. So I will talk to you soon. And I hope that you rethink some things this week.